Welcome to the Africa Borderlands Center podcast, a 12-episode podcast series of the Africa Borderlands Center, sharing stories, rich, inspiring stories and experiences of people living in borderland communities across Africa. This is the fourth episode, and in case you haven't been following, I wish I could say you haven't missed much, but I can't. Please take out time and check out the last three episodes and thank me later. My name is Uju. And my name is Bumi. Previously on the Africa Borderland Center podcast. We're still in Nakonde in Zambia. This is the border town that shares a boundary with Tunduma in the United Republic of Tanzania. The settlement hosts over 200,000 residents. It is poorly developed, though about 85% of the nation's exports go through it. It's one thing to know you have a disability, maybe for like like you were explaining earlier, yes. for someone that it came along the way, along the right? Way. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you, oh, medically, this can be corrected if you pay X amount of money for a surgery. Challenging, as I mentioned earlier on, socializing, especially at below 16. In those years, it was a, a challenge to come out. But I've been always assisted and, uh, you know, raised my self-esteem by the, the, the family members, the, the community out there uh, who have been there always to encourage me, stand family, and ensure that I, I cope up with my friends. Through the advocacy of the Nakonde Forum for Persons with Disabilities, three quarters of the programs have now changed. I will set an example in churches, in public places, and other offices. They never used to be to be lambs. The Africa Borderlands Center Podcast. People living with disability definitely go through a lot daily. But we're glad to see how they are doing a lot of good for themselves, particularly economically, and gaining more inclusivity. Regarding today's episode, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. That famous quote from Martin Luther King's 1960 Spelman College speech sets the tone for today's discourse on cross-border trading in Nakonde. Like we promised, and for the record, Nakonde is in Zambia. We're against all odds, limitations, discouragement, lack of structure, cohesion, and tolerance across African countries for cross-border trading. A lot of traders are taking a hit for it and finding it difficult to apply their trade. But guess what? They refuse to let their heads be put down. Exactly. They have refused to be put down by anything. Not being able to sell from their shops, challenges with customs officials at the border who think they're smugglers. I mean, anything. But to keep, should I say, walking, like Martin Luther King said. They have made up their minds not to just sit aloof, waiting for everything to be in place before doing what they have to do in order to fend for themselves and their families. These guys are inspirational. Let's give you a bit of background. This is the border town that shares a boundary with Tunduma in the United Republic of Tanzania. The settlement hosts over 200,000 residents. 
it is poorly developed, though about 85% of the nation's exports go through it. Now, having spent the last two weeks at Nakonde, one of which we looked at cross-border trading and how, of course, the Village Sabers app is actually improving trading for traders, we decided to continue our stint in Nakonde. You know, explore some more of Nakonde, see what other traders are going through, surf through their world and ascertain if the challenges are similar. Well, it definitely appears so. Issues with currency conversion, crossing the border, being harassed by the officials like a smuggler and other attendant issues. The thing is that the economies of African countries are very much linked and that has been the case for several years. African countries have always traded with one another. Does the continent do it enough? We would also hear from Fikei Makai who is an entrepreneur and does a lot of import and export across African borders. When I mean African borders, one African country to another and she would also you know be sharing experience as well as how uh, the africa free trade continental agreement may or may not have enhanced her experience in doing business let's look at it through michael's eyes for over five decades regional integration has been a major part of africa's overaching strategy for economic transformation. In Africa, we have a variety of economic groups that operate with different integration levels, but they haven't still lived up to expectations in terms of achieving significant economies of scale or even modernization. Though we are trying our best, we haven't started to reap the full benefits of cross-border trading. With the right structures in place, the potential for economic growth is huge. Now, one would wonder why cross-border trading, particularly in Africa, comes with these many challenges. An African leader was speaking recently, you know, at an international forum, and he talked about how difficult it is to resolve currency issues when African countries are trading among themselves to the point that they have to bring in the dollar to balance things out. I think that's quite an, it's an anomaly of some sort. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, we are African countries. Why do we need a Western country's uh, currency to resolve the differences in our currency? Today and always, there will always be others like Michael who are trying to make something out of themselves as well in this regard. Now, let's hear how traders like Esila are able to navigate the terrain and break even. Yo, my name is Esila. I'm a trader. I'm trading in rice and textile materials known as chitenge. I started trading in 2019 after the two weeks lockdown, which is very tough for us and my husband. We used all our savings and I have some money which I sent to my sister in Kasumbalesa to order some wrapper for me. That's how I started trading. Yeah. Doing business at the border, it's very tough. Sometimes we get a loss due to kwacha drop down, the shilling rise, the dollar get rise. So sometimes we are still we are doing fine. We are trying. Since we can't sit down and sit like that, we are trying. We are moving. 
There are conditions whereby the Tanzanian can have shops in Zambia, while the Tanzanian, you ask Zambian, we can't have shops there, which is not fair to us. If we can have equal chances, that can be fine, but it's not happening here in Nakonde. So we demand equal chances. Hmm. It takes a lot of inner strength to trade along these borderlines. We'll be back to tell you more after this break. Still to come on the Africa Borderlands Center podcasts. Now they have already have over 37,000 members. I didn't say three or 7,000. I said 37,000 members. Quite impressive. Yeah. And I would imagine that these are issues they should be able to tackle. Maybe not all, but most of it because there's power, there's strength in numbers. Initially, our traders did not know how to use uh, the border. For example, they did not know that there were documents to be used when crossing the border. They did not know the use of uh, a passport, cross-border permits. Now, after the formation of this uh, association, the association gave capacity building to those that joined the association. Well, it would be exciting to hear others tell us about how the association has impacted their own business. Being a member of the CBTA helped me in a lot of ways. I can share with a lot of members. It has helped us to become as a family, as a community. We work together in terms of helping each other. If you have a problem, you can go to your friends. We also learn how to formalize our businesses, to register to the PICRA. We can get access loan to the bank. The Africa Borderlands Center podcast. Now, the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa in 2021 stated that the estimate of informal cross-border trading, ICBT, is significant across all African subregions. Further estimates found ICBT to be equivalent to between 7 and 16% of formal intra-African trade flows, to be between 30 and 72% of formal trade between neighboring countries. We also know that following the mandate by the African Union Summit of Heads of State and Governments, the Africa Free Trade Continental Agreement Council of Ministers responsible for trade affairs Bank have been mandated to establish and operationalize the Africa Continent Free Trade Agreement Adjustment Fund through a general partnership. So we see uh, lots of reforms being talked about, lots of reforms, a lot of moves being made in this regard. However, what is the reality on ground? All right. How does this translate into increased business between African countries? How does this translate into money for the people, money for the government and uh, ease of doing business across these borders? And then just a little about the fund in question, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement Adjustment Fund Corporation with operations of the fund domiciled in Rwanda. The fund will support countries and private entities through financing, technical assistance, grants, and compensation funding in their transition to the new trading regime and mitigate any negative impacts that may arise during this process. Now, by providing targeted support, the fund aims 
to ensure that no country is left behind and that the benefits of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement are shared equitably and in a sustained manner across the continent. I really hope that you know all of this is taken away from paper and then becomes a reality on ground. The continent may not go 0 to 100 overnight but let's see reasonable steps that are encouraging over time. So if you ask me, things should be well standardized to ease business for these traders. I agree completely. How do these traders cope with all of these challenges that they face almost daily? especially the aspect of unrest among tribes, which can more often than not degenerate into needless fighting. There is also the unstable economic landscape of African countries, which makes attending prices of logistics go up and down like a yo-yo. What is the solution? Is there any hope of stability? Now, asking that question, you start thinking of solutions. Yes. You start thinking of a way out. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, going to be an economic uh, solution or a social solution or political solution, okay. uh, whatever nomenclature you want, is a governmental solution, mm-hmm. you know, any kind of solution or perhaps a combination of everything, everything like yes. one giant burger, you know, bread, meat, and all of that in there. So, and this is already looking from the challenges that we've laid out this already looks like uh, so it's not going to be a one-sided solution it has to be a consolidated effort at this point we'd get to hear from Fikei Makai she will be sharing her experiences okay so speaking to the problems with cross-border trade in Africa um, I think there's some structural issues starting with poor logistics linkages Um, what we call non-tariff barriers so things that are either delays document requirements that are inconsistent at border posts one day you need it the next day it's not requested Hmm. and ad hoc fees which can be facilitation fees depending on who's manning the border these are some of the experiences that i have got from people i have asked and then also complex compliance requirements if you are importing goods, maybe you are importing them for the first time. Yeah. So you have to do a lot of research because there's not enough advisory bodies to help people understand the type of goods they're importing, if there are certain requirements or special duties before these goods um, even reach the border. Hmm. I think these are the major problems of cross-border trade, but also it starts to, to cascade into some of the tax structures which people complain about that either the customs duties or the excise duty um, is too high which creates a sort of market where people now try um, smuggle in the goods and this is missed by the revenue authorities because they don't know what goods have entered the country if they're even legal or permitted to be in the country so i think these these are some of the bigger issues um okay. probably around the reasons this happens is most of the cross-border traders are are resellers of goods produced in other countries. Hmm. So they try to find ways around the system to bring these goods in because they feel they're already operating on thin margins. They're spending so much on transport to bring things into to Africa. So they they don't want to pay very high um, customs or excise duties. So I think these are some of the the key challenges um, in terms of cross-border trade. Wow. So, in your opinion, the Africa uh, Free Trade Continental Agreement, it's not visibly as effective, even though the African Union, 
uh, African governments are trying to encourage free movement of goods and services across borders through the free trade agreements. What are the issues around this? I, I would have felt with the agreement, these things should be easier. Or is it that they're just paying lip service to them? Yes. Um, it is true that the African Continental Free Trade Agreement and what it's meant to do for the different African countries that have signed on for it is not really visibly effective. And I think this comes down to translating the policy to execution and understanding who the key stakeholders, who should know about it, who's meant to benefit from it. The, the, the AU website or the AU AFCTA website indicates that SMEs, women and youth should be you know the key beneficiaries it should lift about 30 million people um out of poverty and also create uh, an additional 450 billion dollar market so i think there's a challenge with the day-to-day people when i ask cross-border traders and i'm talking about people some people are sophisticated cross-border traders they're literate they are not aware of it Hmm. um day-to-day border tax authorities and again this might be um, specific on border posts, but there's so much, there's a bit of inconsistency on the border authorities' awareness. Their head offices may know, but maybe their people or their employees at the different border posts are not fully conversant with the agreement. And I think a big one that I learned from uh, someone who's in the field of tax is the local relevant legislature alignment. I think this is creating visibility problems. And I'll give an example, starting on the last one. Okay. Um, the, the colleague of mine told me that somebody was importing some goods and noted that he was aware of um, the AFCTA and there was a certain benefit that should have passed to him based on the goods he was importing into Zambia. Okay. So when he, when he tried to use that customs duty, a lower one, that would then what would have been there before the AFCTA, the Customs Authority rejected because the local Customs and Excise Act did not recognize it. So there's an issue of local legislature alignment, which needs to also be passed in our um, um, legislative system here. So what we don't know is which supersedes what. Yes, there's been this signing at an Africa level, yeah. but each country still has its local acts. Sure. And if those if those if those documents are behind, then um, the authority is almost going to lean to the local legislature. Sure. They are not sure. recognizing the FCTA. Wow. The other thing that um, I can just summarize is awareness, also engagement and explanation. Hmm. When you look at the private sector um, or the chambers, the various chambers of commerce in each country, they have a role to play in information dissemination. The, the robustness of each country's private sector who can benefit from the AFCTA if they are moving goods between countries or even seeking trade opportunities between countries, they need to start getting this information out. They are cross-border trade associations and trade agencies. What we don't know is what is their participation like? Have they been engaged? Because they are the people who are close to the border towns. They have all these traders who are SMEs and they can help translate the literacy. And then wider is the the mass the citizens you know, mass messaging, has there been marketing? If you look at just our local TV programs, our local news channels, I have not seen anything that's really putting it out there. 
an interesting part is when there's a pandemic or an epidemic in Africa, whether it's cholera or HIV, yeah. we have managed to make this messaging sim- simple for the common man. How do we make similar messaging around the AFCTA for the common man to understand what this means? But because I've not also seen it on local TV, then, then the, the masses don't know about it. And it's possible to make it sound simple because we've done it in the healthcare system where if there's a cholera outbreak, we know how to speak to the everyday man on how to take care of themselves. We need to use those platforms to start making AFCTA visibly effective. And these are things that, that have not been done. Governments should try and gazette certifying customs and clearing um, forwarding agents okay. so that they have a badge of AFCTA knowledge. Hmm. There must be some law to say, okay, if you are a, a tax authority, a border agent, you must get a certification um, mm. on on AFCTA and they wear some sort of badge, you know, that is government certified. Yeah, that legitimizes it. Yes. Now, you could say that these people actually setting the ball rolling and when i say these people i'm referring to an association known as cross-border traders association now they have already have over thirty-seven thousand members i didn't say three or seven thousand i said thirty-seven thousand members quite impressive yeah and i would imagine that these are issues they should be able to tackle maybe not all but most of it because there's power there's strength in numbers and we all know what happens when you know people come together to form a union, to form an alliance, to form a conglomerate, you know, you know, they leverage on each other's strengths and all of that. So let's hear what they are all about from Michael and how far they've come. The Cross-Border Traders Association was formed in line in 2014 after information which came from Lusaka, where the association was formed in 1995, a long way. Uh, now, I am the chairperson of the association here in Nakonde, uh, where uh, we have a good number of men and women traders that are doing cross-border trader, uh, trading across uh, the borders. This association is mainly focusing to be a voice of the traders that trade across this border where we operate, meaning if there are any problems at all, we are the voice. Then we also give capacity building to our traders so that they know what they are doing in their trading activities. Initially, our traders did not know how to use the border. For example, they did not know that there were documents to be used when crossing the border. They did not know the use of uh, a passport, cross-border permits. Now, after the formation of this uh, association, the association gave capacity building to those that joined the association. And now, our traders are using the former routes instead of uh, the wrong routes where they were even stolen certain times. Uh, with our cross-border agents, uh, time taken by our traders to cross the borders certain times took two days, three days, certain times some hours. Well, it would be exciting to hear others tell us about 
how the association has impacted their own business. Asira will tell us more about this. Being a member of the CBTA helped me in a lot of ways. I can share with a lot of members. It has helped us to become as a family, as a community. We work together in terms of helping each other. If you have a problem, you can go to your friends. We also learn how to formalize our businesses, to register to the PICRA. We can get access loan to the bank. Like that, it's very helpful. Being a member of the CBTA really helps me a lot. In terms of, I can use the cards, the membership cards, the CBTA member cards. I can go to Tanzania using that one. I can trade using all the, the borders across the country, which is very important to me, even the members of the, the CBTA. It really helps us and we can move freely without any disturbances, even if we have that card. Yeah. From this, we can tell that the CBTA is going the extra mile. But there is hardly a chance that we can rule out the part that the government ought to play towards improving the lot of these industrious traders. Michael, in very clear terms, tells us what the government can do to help the traders. For a trader to trade nicely, there must be space. That is a marketplace. We would like government build a decent market for our traders. And this market where it can uh, bring in many of our traders, small and slightly medium, and even those that are higher, that are graduating from small-scale traders to those at higher levels. Two, capacity building must continue. We are living in a dynamic world. We need our traders to know how other countries are also doing in their trading activities. And then also government to help us with some little fund, some little funding so that our traders are boosted in their trade. We are at a border which is porous. You see, 200 plus kilometers is porousness where traders certain times do not pass through the, the border. We would like this border to be improved and then build a market for our traders so that they can begin to trade at a decent place so that we improve our trade here at our cross-border trading site. I can imagine that the traders will need uh, formal spaces to display their wares, as opposed to the makeshift arrangement they've been latching onto all this while. The government can also help in making the necessary policy adjustments and monitoring for implementation, because we have often seen in Africa that making laws or signing agreements, treaties and declarations are not the challenge, but adhering to them actually is. So monitoring of implementation will do a whole lot for these traders. A structured environment will even help the government widen the tax nets, that's the bigger picture, and generate more revenue for the community. And of course, a development would ensue. These traders just want to have a source of livelihood and live a peaceable life. 
So this goes without saying that getting this right will equally solve a number of other problems. I'll give you an example. Scaling down poverty, which is a major issue in any community, right? Uh, if the level of poverty goes down, it's almost a given that security will improve. It's almost a given that, you know, youth restiveness go, takes a back seat. Mm-hmm. So that scaling down poverty solves that. And of course, youth unrest comes down to the barest minimum. I completely agree with you. So it's a win-win for both sides. We do hope the policymakers will swing into action and make this a reality. For the good people of Nakonde in Zambia, they deserve a good environment for business and livelihood. Keep it a date with us on the next episode where we will be talking to you from West Pokot in Kenya and delving into some nomadic related topics. <laughs> Youth development will also uh, be discussed extensively, peace and how it affects the well-being and livelihood of the populace of a border community. Sustainable projects will also be in the mix and a whole lot more. It is going to be an exciting one and an edge-of-the-seat kind of experience. Take my word for it. My name is Uju. And my name is Bumi. Catch you on the next episode of the Africa Borderlands Center podcast. Thank you. The Africa Borderlands Center podcast is brought to you by the United Nations Development Program, UNDP, Africa Borderlands Center.